The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There have been over 200 mass shootings so far in 2022. The Washington Post reports, quote, mass shootings where four or more people, not including the shooter, are injured or killed, have averaged more than one per day so far this year, end quote. Pointing to the fact that mass shootings have been on the rise in recent years, they devastatingly report that not a single week in 2022 has passed without at least four mass shootings. Going on to cite that in 2021, almost 700 such incidents occurred a jump from the 611 in 2020 and 417 in 2019. Recent congressional efforts to change gun policies in any significant way have repeatedly failed. In the aftermath of the worst mass shooting in a school since 2012's Sandy Hook massacre, one man decided to take action. In a city of about 150,000 people north of Austin and nearly four hours away from Uvalde, a father in Killeen, Texas, unable to sleep after the mass shooting in Uvalde, is now going viral for his selfless and encouraging decision to take matters into his own hands. After gaining the official permission from the Killeen Independent School District, Ed Shelby is now making national headlines. Standing guard outside his son's elementary school in the final days of the school year, in efforts to ensure safety and ease the minds of other worried parents, nervous and scared to send their children to school in what should be the carefree and exciting countdown of days before summer break, Ed Shelby is not only providing security and reassurance, but is also now helping to spark a larger conversation. Here with us to discuss the Uvalde tragedy, the after effects, and what we as a people can do to help, we have veteran, father, husband, and warrior, Ed Shelby. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I am your host, Ramses Ja. So welcome to the show, Ed. How are you doing today, brother? 
I'm doing well, Ramses. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. Obviously, this is a very important conversation and a lot of us are, are applauding what you've been up to. So let's let's start at the beginning, man. Uh, share a bit about yourself, your upbringing, your professional background. Let's let the folks know who you are. Yeah, so my name's uh, Ed Shelby. Um, I go by Eddie uh, to most of my friends and people I work with. So, uh, you know, feel free, free to address me as Eddie. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a veteran. Um, I was raised for the most part. I was born in San Diego, California, but mm-hmm. raised in uh, my school age years in Riverside, New Jersey, uh, okay. which is just on the outside of the you know the Philadelphia metropolitan area. Um, I joined the the military when I was 18 years old, stayed in until I was 27, and then uh, did a couple more years in the California National Guard. Okay. Uh, after leaving the, the National Guard, actually while I was still in, um, I got on with a company called Blackwater, which was a security uh, company, which has been renamed to um, Constellus. And then from there, my security career kind of just progressed um, throughout the next 11 years, doing a lot of um, advisory work, a lot of um, executive protection stuff, a lot of diplomatic protection. Uh, Oftentimes, uh, that stuff is overseas in very austere environments. Yeah, from there, I mean, I just uh, currently, I advise for a company called Syotis, which is S-Y-O-T-O-S. We... uh, just provide a lot of security, uh, executive protection details and stuff like that currently. Okay. So what was your initial response when you heard the news about Ubalde? Yeah. So, you know, you get those little pop-up banners, uh, like news stuff on your phone. Uh, one popped up and said, you know, it said, uh, mass shooting. And it, it seems like this has been happening so much. You kind of almost become desensitized to the whole thing. Right. Um, and I, I don't mean that like I was ignoring it, but I, it, I'm still reeling from what happened in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so going out, you know, throughout my day, I've got a lot going on. I look at my phone and I'm like, goodness, you know, this is just, you know, your heart drops. You're just like, come on. Um, but I had a lot of, you know, dad stuff to do. I was getting ready for baseball practice. I coach, I, I'm an assistant coach on a 10 baseball team. Um, so, you know, I'm getting things ready. Then around the four o'clock uh, central time, my wife and son come home and my wife says, Hey, did you see about that shooting? So I said, no, I saw it pop up. Let me take a look. And then when I saw it was a school school shooting, I just thought my, my heart just even more, I mean, just, just fell right out. And you know, it's, there's no words that really anybody can, can say to explain that kind of feeling unless you're a, you know, a parent, you know, and especially it hits home when you have, children that age when you coach kids that age Mm -hmm. it just hits even more personal and it took a lot i mean i was breaking down right there but i couldn't stop doing what i was doing because it's important to these kids they get out there and play baseball and they're in the community and stuff like that so i i just i held it in went coach baseball didn't even mention it to the kids didn't let them know hey did you hear but didn't discuss it with any of the parents it just, it's one of those things that we're starting to hold all this stuff inside. Um, so, you know, day progresses on, um, you just start seeing the newsreels, you're looking at everything, you know, that's popping up on social media and it's just hard to watch and you start seeing the reactions and you just put yourself in that situation as a parent, you start to become more and more overwhelmed with grief, um, just unimaginable grief that you, that these people had to go through. Uh, so just kept going on. Everybody kind of went to bed. So there I am at one o'clock in the morning thinking, 
you know, here I am with all this uh, security background uh, and it's just, what am I doing with it? What am, what am I going to do right now? What I know, I already know the conversation. People are going to start pointing fingers. People are going to start saying what we could have or should have done, but what are we doing right now? Right. And I think that's a conversation that a lot of us have not had with our own, with ourselves. So I drafted an email to the uh, independent school district's uh, superintendent, which is my wife's boss. And I just put it very plainly. And I said, listen, you, this is not the time as a security professional for me to tell you what you could have done, what I can do to help you. This is what I want to do to help my community. Mm. And it's like the very least, I just want to be in front of the school, letting people know that this is not going to be an easy target. Um, letting people know that I got, you know, I know your kids are here. I know that you want them to enjoy the end of school year, you know, parties that are going on the fifth grade graduations and you're, you want your kids to go and I got them. I'm, I'm going to be there to help to, to protect them. Sure. So what was it that made you come to that decision knowing what you'd be up against? Because obviously it's, it's a little bit more challenging to stand in front of a school and hold a gun to get clearance to do that. But what was it that kind of fortified you in saying that, you know what, no matter what, come hell or high water, I'm going to stand in front of the school, make sure that this place is a tougher target. Yeah. And I, I just want to clarify, I was unarmed and I know that that's been a point of contention. A lot of people on social media and, and all these other places, what are you going to do without a gun? Well, I know what I can do. I've been doing this kind of thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times, you know, we, we as parents, we're, we protect our kids all the time. Sure. We don't always have guns. We go to the grocery store. We're protecting our kids. We go to baseball games. We're protecting our kids. Sure. So there, there's, I think that we need to understand like how ferocious we can be as parents. That's, you know, we got to break it down, break it down sometimes to, to the um, basic laws that, Hey, you know, I've, you've seen acts of heroism in, in different ways with parents and, and protecting their kids and, uh, this was no different. This was just me as a dad. Like I, I will close the gap on 20 feet, you know, faster than anything. If I see there's something that's going to hurt any of these kids, um, there's nothing going to stop me. And if, if my um, injury or death slows this down and gives anybody else opportunity to protect themselves, then that's what I'll get to do. I mean, Bravo. Bravo. That's, that's what we all got to do. Mm-hmm. So, so how about this? How has your son responded to what took place in Valde? And uh, what are you, what are your son's feelings about you standing guard at the school? Uh, you know, I think he shares it, just like a lot of kids are kind of, um, you know, I, not that we shelter uh, our kids or my son from this kind of thing, but we don't want them to dwell on it. You, we, me as a father, I'm, I'm an optimist, you know, um, and like, I want to tell him that there is more good in the world and yes, bad stuff happens, but here as your father, I'm letting you know, I'm always going to be there to protect you as best I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want you to sit there and think that when you walk outside the door every day, that something bad is going to happen to you. I want you to be aware. I want you to be educated, but, um, that's where we kind of keep it. So, but a lot of kids they're uh, they're unaffected and that's not even, something that's, um, you know, special, special to just them. There's a lot of people that don't associate with this because they don't have kids or they're, um, they've never had them or their kids are out of school or they, they haven't had kids yet. It's just one of those things that it's going to hit harder for a parent 
Um, and then especially when you start to get, you, you have kids in that age group. So my son, he's just, he's like, Oh, that's so sad. And, uh, then he sees that I'm standing out front of the school. He actually didn't see that I was standing out front of the school. My wife told him later that day after things on the internet started going viral. And he was like, kind of just shrugged his shoulders and was like, Oh, okay. And, you know, I think if you talk to my, my family, if you talk to all my friends, people that I associate with this, what I did was, I think a lot of people said, yeah, I'm not surprised. That's, that's just the character that I hold. It's wonderful. You know, I'll share with you. Um, so I, I myself have a seven-year-old, you know, he's going into second grade and the shooting took place the day before his last day of school. And what I did was I brought my child up and, you know, I do a radio show called Civic Cipher. I sat my child on my show and I explained to him that a school shooting had taken place and that sometimes people go into schools with guns and they shoot little kids. And his reaction to that was not dissimilar to, you know, your conversation with your son, which is like, you know, it's almost not real. It's, it's almost like, wow, that's crazy, but it's hard to like really make it make sense. And for us to have that conversation on the radio, you know, we had some listeners reach out some obviously in support because a lot of parents don't know how to have those conversations with their children. And I didn't know what to say, but we had a working template at least. And then there were some folks that were trying to suggest that perhaps we should shield children from this because they're not prepared for it. And so I, I understand there being two sides to that story. But, you know, there's there's a lot that folks can learn and have been learning from you and the way you've approached this. Um, so how about this? With your recent community safety actions, you know, going viral, what message or, or takeaways do you hope will be communicated to people? Yeah, so that's been like this big thing. I, you know, had no idea that what I did was going to go uh, in the direction, uh, you know, in a positive direction. Uh, I just, like I said, I did it for these kids that I coached, the, you know, my son, my wife, mm-hmm. her coworkers, his, you know, fellow students. And, uh, you know, I guess that really did resonate in a lot of people. And I've, I've had a hard time trying to come to grips with that because in the world that I live in, um, as a security professional, it was a no brainer. This is what I do. I get paid for this. Um, and for me to go out and do it for my own community free was simply the easiest thing that I could do to help ease their minds. Um, and I think that if positive stuff comes out of this and, it encourages people to step up and volunteer and be involved in their child's lives in their community. Then I think that this is, you know, a certain degree of a goal has been met. Um, I encourage everybody, not just fathers, but um, you know, I am a father, so I'm going to identify with most, most of them. I am a veteran, so I'm going to identify with a lot of veterans. Right. So, you know, I'll look to them first and I'll say, Hey, I'm a dad. I'm not really that much, uh, you know, dissimilar from you, even if you don't have these, um, you know, different credentials and stuff like that, maybe go seek them out and, you know, be present in the school. I guarantee that if those hallways were filled with dads volunteering and stuff, this might not have reached the degree in the holiday that it did. Um, because there's nothing that's going to stop me from getting to these kids and, and making them safe. Like I said, if, if I have to give my life for it, I will. And I don't, I'm not the only one that shares that opinion. Uh, and I wasn't the only one out there that day. I just want to make that clear. You know, I was just the guy that went viral. Somebody took a picture, unbeknownst to me, 
and posted it. There was guys, there was men in my community standing out front of their schools. There was men in my community in their cars at the street out front of the schools. There was men across the country that did the same thing. And the next day, the next day when it, it was even more, you know, I, some of the things I was seeing on these posts were like, yay, this guy's got the right idea. Who's coming with me? We're going to this school. If they don't let us at the front door, we're going to be out at the street. And that's what you got to do. You got to have that kind of mentality. Like if you're saying that I can't um, be in front of the school because I don't have these credentials, then you can't stop me from being on that street. Mm. And I think that's a, that's admirable for all these fathers and parents that did that. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes. And switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash B-I-N. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., that's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
We are here today with veteran, father, husband, and warrior, Ed or Eddie Shelby, discussing the Uvalde tragedy, the after effects, and what we as a people can do to help. All right, so a lot has been made about what could have happened, what could take place, um, what changes could be made to prevent school shootings and other mass shootings. You, you mentioned Buffalo earlier, um, you know, things like this. What, what could have been done differently to make the places more secure? And then school shootings specifically, I recall hearing something like uh, man traps and ballistic blankets and things like that. Um, and there's been much debate on both sides about the viability of those courses of action. Um, and and it, a lot of it is to avoid really having the conversations about guns. And we all understand that this is the process that we need to go through in order to ultimately arrive at what safety and security looks like in the future. Now, as a person that has a background in security, as a person who obviously takes the initiative, um, what are your thoughts on what a safety program could look like and, and perhaps how other schools around the country might be able to replicate some of the ideas that you have? Yeah, so I just want to kind of preempt in, you know, my answer with, there's no such thing as a 100% foolproof security plan. Of course. Uh, what we have is these ideas of what we can do to make things, um, you know, safer and provide this life protection to uh, whoever, whoever it is we're guarding. And in the case of schools, um, you're going to be met with a lot of challenges. One, it's like you'll have people that say, okay, my kid's going to school, not into a prison. Um, he's going into school, not a fort. He's, um, or he or she is, uh, you know, and then a lot of it is restrictions. If we're not even paying our teachers what they should be paid, if we're not paying our school faculty, uh, you know, what they should be paid, uh, there's a lot of shortcomings, especially when it gets down to the security level. Uh, and it really depends on the size of your districts and uh, the size of your school. And, you know, you compare where I live, where there's 45,000 students in the school district. It's, a it's the 25th largest in the, in the state of Texas. Um, so our budget's going to be a lot different than that of Uvalde, where you're around 6,000 people in the whole town. Um, so there's a lot of different things that factor into that. And when it comes to security, I think that that needs to be something that is met with the same type of approach that you would anything else that you're trying to secure in your own community, whether it's a government building, whether it's, you know, um, a bank, whether, I mean, you're, these are the most precious things that you can try to protect. Mm -hmm. It's their lives. Um, you know, the, the, the man traps and stuff like that, like I said, you know, anything can be defeated. Uh, what happens with security is a lot of times you're just creating space and distance between uh, an adversary and that which you're uh, trying to protect. Mm -hmm. And, and then you hope that we can, we can defeat that before um, anything else is damaged or lost specifically lives. So one of the things that we're proposing right now is that uh, we had watchdog programs and, and that on a basic level is just getting a lot of fathers to be involved in the schools. And we had this program at our school, uh, but during COVID, a lot of these programs across the country had just gone away. 
So you have a, a dad or, or two that are, they're leading these programs and then their kids, their kids age out of the, that program. And so they move on, but COVID kind of prevent, you know, allowed a gap. And so these things weren't passed on to the next person yeah. and they just went away. And maybe the education there to start this wasn't available. And so it just doesn't happen. And, and then that right there is kind of the worst thing that any of us can do, which is just inaction. So how about this? What role do you believe that either active military or veterans can have when it comes to helping address and find solutions for changing gun laws or otherwise addressing the staggering amount of gun violence in this country? Yeah, so I don't know if I'm really qualified to answer that. I just, um, I mean, it's a huge conversation. It's uh, There's so many intricacies to the gun laws and stuff. I do think that in some cases they're too uh, lenient. And then I think that um, there really does need to be some kind of um, steps put in place. And I mean, when we're talking about mental health, it's like, how do we get to the point where these people can actually get a gun? You wouldn't let, and I shouldn't even say that, you really... There's a lot of people that enter the military that you find out after they're in the military and already been handling these weapon systems that they're immensely um, not fit to do such. And oftentimes that goes, you know, um, unreported. And, then, um, and if that happens in the military, then what do you think is happening on the civilian side? Mm. A lot of these things are going unaddressed and, and we're not we're not taking a look at it. So. I think that it shouldn't be so easy for just anybody to, to grab, you know, an AR-15, um, to grab, you know, a gun and stuff like that and then go off. I think that a lot of times um, gun owners should secure their weapons better, have those conversations with their kids if they have kids in the household. Um, and I think, you know, so I don't really want to get too far into the political side of that, of but I do want to really push the education that, or should I say, I, I think we should push talking to our kids more and, and talking, Hey, listen, this is what kind of things that can happen when you, when you have a gun, these are the kind of uh, repercussions. These are the kind of um, the, the kind of damage that these things can do at the end of the day, though, it's, you know, yes, I understand it's a tool for, you know, killing, but, you know, who's doing, who's pulling the trigger. Sure. And that's what we really need to look at, look at right there. Yeah. Um, how about this? You know, as you gather your thoughts and as you continue to, you know, ride this wave of teaching folks, you know, what security looks like or being an example or even coming up with something that is replicable in other places around the country. Um, are you on social media? Is there a way that folks can keep up with you? As, as yeah. You so um, my, uh, my Instagram handles uh, at easy E A Z Y underscore 36 or E E A Z Y underscore E 36 on uh, Facebook. Uh, that's uh, Eddie E D D I E C H E L Z. And um, you could just Google the name and find me on LinkedIn as well. So uh, yeah, I mean, definitely what's happening here in Colleen is not um, I'm working with guys across the state. I got um, people like uh, a gentleman named Cedric Ellington here in uh, Texas in Colleen um jojo uh davila that's uh down in round rock i've got trey mcmullen out in florida and just across the country that you know are really kind of just hey what are you doing over there what are your ideas and and you know i, I had mentioned the uh, watchdog program so i could 
So if I could reel back on that one. Of course. Yeah, please. You know, the watchdog program at the basic level is just dads volunteering. You're being involved. And in that, you're changing how young men start to look at you and how they want to be. This is something that, you know, when you're doing this in the community, they're looking at you like, hey, uh, they're getting different perspectives. They, they have their father in their life. They're looking at that and they're looking at somebody else as well. And they're seeing them come together and work together. Um, if they don't have a father in their life, then that's a father figure. You know, whether you're an uncle, grandfather, um, a big brother, I've, I see it all here in my very own community. I know it exists somewhere else. But furthermore, there's uh, programs like the uh, school marshals program. Uh, there's one called the guardian program. And these are things that are not always um, addressed and people don't even know that they're available. And there's state legislation in Texas, and I'm sure it's available in different ways in other states that's available. We're just not doing our, our jobs as citizens to go out there and look for it. We want somebody to tell us that it's there, but everybody has the ability to, to get up and do something. Um, I'll say that right here in my very own school district, you know, we have 26 um, independent school district officers. That's including the police chief to cover 45,000 students. Um, and that's something like, uh, I think I have the number. It's, uh, that's an addition. That's 45,000 students. You got uh, 6,100 staff plus or minus. And like I said, only 26 sworn officers to cover that. So there's a significant amount of shortcomings. And when it goes back to the question, what can veterans um, and, and military do? Well, you know, the military is their active duty. They're, they're, um, they've got a mission that they've got to do, and they have um, a chain of command that they've got to follow. But as veterans in a community, especially in a heavy uh, veteran community like I live in, which is we're, we're Colleen, we're the, we're here because of Fort Hood, you know? Um, so we're not short on veterans at all. Uh, those, those individuals, I encourage them to come out, um, especially if you're a veteran father, to, to go through the protocols, you know, volunteer. That means you submit for a background check. Uh, and some of these other programs, it's, uh, they're geared towards people like us. You know, for law enforcement um, in those schools, it's, like I said, law enforcement is specifically for the school. And they need more help. And I understand there's budget constraints, but that's why we're seeking to be creative in how we approach this. Okay, so if we have to fundraise, if we have to talk to these huge entities that are coming into Texas and making money, um, let's, let's ask them for help as well. If we need help funding some of these programs to keep their kids safe as well, um, then I think it's, in, it's mutually benefit, beneficial to everybody. Gotcha. Well, you know, there's... Um as you mentioned, uh, there's a much larger debate to be had about, you know, law enforcement and their presence on campuses. Um, but what I will say is that to me, a father of a seven-year-old boy, um, your actions as a community member providing security, which is not necessarily law enforcement, on or to your son's campus and your wife's campus is beyond commendable and beyond heroic, especially given the recent tragedy in Uvalde. And so I applaud you, sir. And I want to thank you very much for your time and setting an example for the nation. Uh, and of course, sharing your thoughts with us here today. Once again, our guest is veteran, father, husband, and warrior, Eddie Shelby. Thank you for having me on, Race. Of course. And before I go, I'll leave you with this. 
The data continues to demonstrate that a mass shooting could literally happen at any time and in any place. The status quo of unrelenting thoughts and prayers continue to add insult to injury and murder. When will we acknowledge how unequivocally unacceptable this is and finally create safety and security in our nation that accounts for all of our people and most importantly, our children? This issue will take all of us taking initiative and working together. We must not stand down. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I'm your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media. Join us tomorrow as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network daily podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 